This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. Before we get started today, a reminder, as always, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at the same handle, at Gorg on Sports. So give me a follow there. I post all of my picks on Twitter, anything that I am betting I'm posting on Twitter, so make sure you follow me there for any late ads, any bets I'm making on dates where I don't have a show. Follow me on Twitter at Gorgon Sports for the latest. We're coming off a fun Monday night of college basketball here, and I like Monday nights sometimes because the slate is smaller. You get to really focus on a couple big games. I like doing that. I go back and forth because, you know, I like the Saturdays as well where you have a million games going on. Reminds me of a college football Saturday. Use a corporate term here. Feel like you're drinking from the fire hose a little bit, and uh, it's fun too, but Mondays... You sometimes get a chance, if there's some good games on, on that small slate, to really focus and and watch them. And I watched a team last night that I hadn't watched a ton this year, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And it was a great day to watch North Carolina because R.J. Davis, their point guard, puts up 42 points in the game, Carolina's 75-71 win over Miami, and it was an outstanding performance from R.J. Davis, 7 of 11 from beyond the arc, 14 to 22 from the field. He puts up that big 42-point number at home. And North Carolina follows up a grind-it-out win in Charlottesville against Virginia with a win at home over a Miami team that they were, what was it, 12-and-a-half, 13-and-a-half point favorites over, a game they were expected to win. But it's not the always, always the easiest game to win on a Saturday-Monday turnaround, especially coming off that big win against Virginia, a team they hadn't beaten on the road in a very, very long time. And now North Carolina is 14-3 and in the conference. They're a game and a half ahead of Duke in the conference standings. They have that showdown with the Blue Devils in Durham in just a couple weeks. And North Carolina is one of the teams that you have to consider for a number one seed. And I've been really interested in these number one seed bets. Who's going to get the number one seed? Because at this point, we pretty much have it locked up for Purdue, UConn, and Houston. Who is going to get that fourth number one seed? Right now, Arizona is minus 150 on FanDuel, Tennessee plus 170, and North Carolina plus 900. Now, I spent a little bit of time on the most recent episode talking about Tennessee and their path to that number one seed because I do truly believe given Tennessee's schedule the rest of the way, if they win out, they control their own destiny. They will be a number one seed because of who they play down the stretch here, the ability they have to win the SEC and pick up wins over Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, and Kentucky along the way. I think that they will get that number one seed if they are able to win out. And then certainly, of course, if they're able to win the SEC tournament, as well, but I think if they win out this regular season and even get to a final of the SEC tournament, they will be a number one seed given how many big time quad one wins they'd be able to pick up down the stretch here. And all four of those games would be quad one wins at this point. 
but it's a really tough schedule. They have to actually go out and win those games. And if you were able to actually parlay those four games together on the money line, the odds that you would get would be significantly higher than plus 170. So as much as I like Tennessee's path there and the fact that they control their own destiny, I don't like the odds at plus 170. North Carolina is plus 900. North Carolina was plus 970. Or, uh, I'm sorry, it was plus 900 on Sunday. It went down to plus 750 yesterday, but has bounced back up again to plus 900. And, you know, after watching last night's game, after evaluating what the rest of the field looks like, who's in contention for that number one seed, I want to take a shot against Arizona here, who's minus 150, because I don't trust that team on a night-in and night-out basis. I really think they're going to take another loss, whether it's the rest of this regular season or whether it's in the Pac-12 tournament. And I want to take a shot against them. So the team I'm going to take a shot with is North Carolina at 9-1 to odds. And if you look at some of the mock brackets coming out right now, North Carolina is listed as a number one seed in some places. Jerry Palm at CBS Sports has them as a number one seed. In fact, if you look at bracketmatrix.com, a fantastic resource, source, I look at it every day. It's one of my top bookmarks here. North Carolina's average seed is 1.79. So that means they are being listed as a one or one seed in more than a few brackets here. If they're not a one seed, they're a two seed. So they are right there. And North Carolina does not have a difficult schedule the rest of the way. It would be shocking to me if Carolina loses any of their three games other than the Duke game. They go, they have NC State and Notre Dame at home, and then they go to Cameron to take on Duke. So they really shouldn't slip up against NC State or Notre Dame. And if they can beat Duke, they're going to have win, won the, regular, the ACC regular season title outright. They will have beaten Duke twice. They will have beaten Tennessee in a non-conference game earlier in the season. And I think it bodes very well for them to be a number one seed. So at those plus 900 odds, I like their path a little bit better than, better than Tennessee's at the odds you can get Tennessee at. If the roles were, I really think if I was making these odds, I would make it like Carolina plus 500, Tennessee plus 700 or something along those lines. I think the thinking probably goes right now that Tennessee is higher in the net at number five. Uh, They do have those opportunities for more wins down the stretch, those big quad one wins down the stretch. But look, North Carolina is number nine. North Carolina beat them head to head. Carolina's seven and four in quad one games. Tennessee five and five in quad one games. Tennessee does play in the stronger conference. I think winning the eight, the SEC carries more weight than winning the ACC. Believe it or not, who would have thought that if you told somebody that in 2001, 2002, even 2014, I don't think many would have believed that if you said winning the SEC is going to carry more weight than winning the ACC. But I think right now it does. What Carolina has going for it is they have a chance to finish out this regular season at 17 and three in the ACC with two wins over Duke. And they, again, head to head win over Tennessee. I think that would be pretty hard to deny, especially if Tennessee trips up here once. I mean, they could even trip up twice to end the regular season. So if you're looking at, let's just say Carolina wins out. Carolina is 25 and 6 overall. 
Tennessee loses twice more. That would put them at 23-8 and eight overall. Uh, in that circumstance, Tennessee would be 5-7 and seven in quad one games. Carolina would be 8-4 and four in quad one games. I'm sorry, uh, Tennessee would be 7-7 seven and seven in quad one games. Carolina would be 8-4 and four in quad one games. I think that goes advantage Carolina there, especially with the head-to-head matchup. I think you'd be sitting in a really nice spot heading into championship week there. So I'm going to put a little money. I'm going to put a unit on Carolina at plus 900 to earn a number one seed there. I also have a Kansas bet 19 to one half unit to get a number one seed still sitting out there. That's not looking nearly as good right now where uh, the odds are now up to 50 to one. And that is in large part, I believe because of the Kevin McCuller injury, he didn't play against Texas. It was no McCuller, no problem for the Jayhawks on Saturday, but they have a big game tonight and it remains to be seen when Kevin McCuller will come back. So North Carolina looked really good last night. RJ David, I should say RJ Davis looked really good last night. But I think when you look at Carolina, what you got what I like about them is they have RJ Davis at that lead guard spot, but then they also have Armando Baycott as a big who they can rely on as well. It's not just the RJ Davis show at all times. It's not just the Armando Baycott show at all times. They play off each other really well, and one can pick things up. One can have a big game when you need him to. And I think that's what you like as you start to look at March, look at teams that can make a run, is who, when they're when something is taken away from them, who can respond? Who can win a game? And I think if R.J. Davis is taken away, Armando Baycott can carry the Tar Heels. If Baycott is taken away, R.J. Davis can carry them. We saw it last night. R.J. Davis puts up this big-time 42-point game uh, a night ago, and he was the only Tar Heel in double figures. Nobody else was in double figures in that game. Now, that's I don't think that's what you'll want every night, but it's nice to have a guy who can do that. And then the other thing with Carolina that is just so much different than a season ago is they are a very good defensive team. They're now top 10 in Ken Palm in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, they're really good rebounding team. They, they hold their opponents to a low percentage from beyond the arc. They, uh, the only thing that if you look at their statistical profile that you say, Hey, I'd like to see a little bit better on the defensive end is forcing turnovers. They don't force a ton of turnovers, but they play really good defense. They don't allow you to take, uh, get a lot of clean looks and they are top 20. They're number 20 in the country in opponent effective field goal percentage. So this is a very good North Carolina team. And I think that deep, what they're doing on the defensive end is the big difference between this season and a season ago. So Carolina gets a big win behind RJ Davis's historic night there in Chapel Hill. The other Monday night game that I, I took a interest in was Baylor going on the road to Fort Worth. They were taking on TCU and I was dead wrong about this game. I went 0-2 betting on this game. I bet the uh, the over in this game. It didn't come anywhere close. I bet TCU minus 2.5 in this game. Baylor wins 62-54. to 54. And I think I had the right thought process in this game when I bet the over. I, I felt like it was going to be a pretty up-and-down game. I felt like there was going to be a lot of turnovers with that short turnaround Saturday to Monday. But I, what I 
guess I thought was going to happen with those turnovers was they were going to lead to more fast break points. And that's not what happened at all. Last night at one point, they think each team had nine turnovers with about a minute left in the first half, but they had very, very few fast break points. Uh, In retrospect, probably should have thought about it the other way, coming off that short turnaround. Like traditionally you would think, Tired legs, short turnaround, go with the under. I think I just outthought myself there where I thought, okay, I think these teams are going to turn the ball over a lot. TCU loves to get up and down the court. We're going to see a lot of turnovers, a lot of fast break points. We're going to see a high scoring game. And then to Baylor's credit, they locked down defensively. They had one of their better defensive games of the season, uh, certainly of Big 12 play. And I was actually very impressed with what Baylor was able to do defensively against TCU because that has been the big question with Baylor all season long is what can they do defensively? We know this team can score. Jacoby Walter, I've watched a ton of Baylor the last two, their last two games. I've watched the Houston game. I watched that game against TCU. And Jacoby Walter makes big shot after big shot. He is one of my favorite players to watch in the country this year. Uh, He's a big-time scoring wing, a big-time shooter. You really got to love him. But the question has been all year long, what can they do defensively? And yesterday, they had one of their best defensive outputs of the season, best defensive efforts of the season. And I got to believe that Baylor is now really starting to separate itself from the middle of the Big 12. I think Houston is clearly at at the top. I think we're starting to see four teams are clearly at the top. I think it's Houston, then there's a gap. Iowa State, Kansas, and Baylor are probably in that tier two there. And those are all teams that are going to be protected seeds in the NCAA tournament. Houston, almost assuredly a number one seed. Iowa State, Kansas, and Baylor all have the ability to be, you know, two, three, four seeds. I'm still holding out a top teeny tiny bit of hope on Kansas getting that number one seed with that 19 to one bet. But, you know, without Kevin McCuller, I just don't think it's super realistic for them to do what they need to do the rest of the way. It all depends on Kevin McCuller. Either way, those three teams, Iowa State, Kansas, and Baylor, I think are clearly in that tier two. And Baylor, I wasn't sure if they were quite there, but the way they played against Houston, despite losing that game at home on Saturday, a heartbreaker, the way they came back on the road in Fort Worth and got that win and they played a game 62-54 game, not exactly the type of game that they like to play, and they got a win in that game says a lot to me about this Baylor team and what they can be. Now, they got to continue to do that consistently, but I felt like that was a very, very good sign for Baylor. And when I think about Baylor, I am thinking that they are going to be closer to a three-seed or two-seed than they are a four-seed. And it's a huge difference. You want to stay off that four-five line, get on that three-two line, and that was a big step for Baylor last night. I feel like it's becoming very clear, at least who those who the teams that are in that top two tiers in the Big Twelve, and this is a conference that has been very jumbled throughout the season. Below that, you have Texas Tech, TCU, BYU. Oklahoma, they're all kind of together. It's hard to make heads of tails there. You have a bunch of teams in this league between six losses and eight losses. In fact, I think it's five, seven teams in this league have between six losses 
and eight losses. It is a jumbled, jumbled mess, but I think Baylor has really started to separate itself from that jumbled mess and uh, impressive performance by Baylor on the road last night. Jacoby Walter, 16 points. I think he had 13 of those 16 in the second half of this, this game. Goes three of eight from deep, and he's a guy that you, you know, 34% shooter from beyond the arc on the season. So it's not like those are eye-popping numbers, but he is a guy who is capable of going five of nine from beyond the arc on a given night. He's done it a couple times this year. He's put up games like that. Now he'll also throw up a two of nine at times, but he is a guy that is super athletic. He's a good shooter, and I'm excited to see him on a really big stage in the Big 12 tournament in the NCAA tournament. Let's take a look at the Tuesday night games here, tonight's games, because there is a couple that I am very excited for. This first game I've had circled since the final buzzer ended in Kentucky's 117-point outburst against Alabama on Saturday. It's number 16, Kentucky, going to Starkville, Mississippi to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. This is going to be a tough road battle for Kentucky and I got a couple bets in this game I am betting Mississippi State minus three and a half I'm betting the under minus or under 156 and a half in this one because I like Mississippi State to grind this game down and take it into their own hands this is the kind of game this is a show me game for Kentucky we know Kentucky that you can put up 117 in an up-and-down game against Alabama, a good Alabama team, but an Alabama team that, not the not an elite defense, uh, a team that wants to play kind of the same pace as you do. They want to play fast. They want to get up and down the court. But Mississippi State on the road is a different ballgame. Mississippi State, you know, they're not like Virginia. They're not in the 300s in the country in tempo, but they're ranked 177 nationally in tempo. They're, they have the 11th best adjusted defensive efficiency in the country per Ken Palm, and they want to drag you down into the mud. They want to play a drastically different style than Kentucky does or Alabama does for that matter. Now, Kentucky beat them at home earlier this season, 90 to 77, but I think going on the road is a different ball game here. This is a game, a, a huge win the Wildcats picked up on Saturday and you put up 117. You have everybody telling you how great you are. You're feeling yourself. You're feeling good. Now you got to pick yourself back up. You got to go on the road and pick yourself back up is the wrong word. I guess you got to bring yourself back down. You're flying high. You got to go down to Starkville and you got to bring the same intensity, play with the same passion, play at that same level that you did on Saturday in a huge home game in Rupp Arena against Alabama. And Kentucky, to me, just hasn't done that all season long. You look at them throughout conference play, right? Let's just start January 13th. They're sitting at 2-0 and in the league. They lose a road game in overtime to Texas Tech. Then they pick up a couple wins. They lose a, a road game at South Carolina. They beat Arkansas on the road. They lose back-to-back games to Florida and Tennessee, both at home. Okay, then they go on the road. They beat Vandy, right? Everybody's beating Vandy this year. They lose to Gonzaga at home. Beat Ole Miss and Auburn. Lose an inexplicable game at LSU. Come back, beat Alabama. 
I get people wanting to say they turned a corner here, right? Everybody wants to believe this uber-talented team, this blue-blood program has turned a corner here because they are the most interesting team in college basketball. They are tantalizing. But you know what? Until they show me that they really have turned a corner, I'm going to bet against them in this spot. This is a total spot play, and look, I'll pay for them to show me that they are a different team here. If they can show me that, take my money, but uh, I'm going to go against Kentucky here. Give me Mississippi State minus 3.5. Give me the under 156.5 in this one. And then other game that I'm going to bet tonight, let's head to the Big 12. And I'm going to bet Kansas. I'm going to bet Kansas at home against BYU. Kansas, a six-and-a-half point favorite in this one. Uh, doesn't look like Kevin McCullough will be playing in this one, and that's okay. I'm taking that into account. And this really comes down to the fact that BYU is a drastically different team on the road and at home, and Kansas is a drastically better team at home than they are on the road, and this one's in Allen Fieldhouse. But let's talk about BYU for a second. Because when you think about BYU, you kind of think like, hey, they could have a recipe for beating Kansas because they shoot a ton of threes. And if they get hot, Kansas is not a, a super high three-point shooting team. They don't shoot the, the, the deep ball at a very high rate. So it could be hard to keep up with BYU. But when you look at those splits, you look at BYU at home versus on the road. They are a drastically different team. At home, they shoot 37%, nearly 37% from beyond the arc. On the road, it's a different story. This team is below 30%, 29.6%. So it's rounded up the 30% there from beyond the arc. And for a team that shoots threes on uh, roughly 50% of shot attempts, that's very, very concerning. Kansas is a good defensive team. Kansas is a different team at home. Kansas is a team like I, it's so it's you know kind of hate it because it's hard to quantify it when you just say a team is different at home. They play better at home. They don't they don't can't play well on the road. But it is a very real thing, and for whatever the reason, it, it it's reflected in these numbers for BYU, and it's reflected in the numbers for Kansas. Kansas undefeated at home. Kansas has lost some pretty inexplicable games on the road. Both of these teams are drastically better at home than they are on the road. And if you look at the last five weeks of play, Kansas has been playing much better than BYU has. If you look at trankbarttorvik.com, the line based on the full season T-rank would be Kansas minus six and a half. If you take the numbers just since January 22nd, Kansas would be a 13-point favorite in this game. So give me the Jayhawks minus 6.5. I think the home court is the difference here. I think BYU is a drastically different team on the road than they are at home. I think Kansas will survive without McCuller as long as they're at home. The longer he's out, though, and the more road games they have to play, the more concerning it's going to be. I don't think it affects them as much as it might down the road tonight. So give me the Jayhawks minus six and a half. And then tomorrow night, I'm not ready to make any bets for tomorrow night, but there's a couple big games 
that I'm really looking forward to on Wednesday night. And I, any bet that I make, I will post on Twitter at Gorgon Sports for Wednesday night, February 28th. But the big one is in the SEC. It's number 11, Auburn, going on the road to number four, Tennessee. In Tennessee, I've talked about their tough schedule down the stretch. I've talked about the fact that I think they control their own destiny as far as uh, whether they can get a number one seed or not. And Auburn is an interesting case because the computers love Auburn. They're number five in Ken Palm right now, but you'll look at who they've beaten, and it's hard to really say outside of their home win against Alabama who their best win is. By the Ken Palm numbers, I guess it would be number 55, Virginia Tech, back in November. Then after that, up, oh, sorry, 48, South Carolina at home. That would be their best win per Ken Palm after that Alabama win. And this is a team that has struggled when they've played really good teams and when they've played those good teams uh, on the road. So, a big road test for Auburn. I'm not quite ready to buy into Auburn right now as some sort of Final Four contender despite their Ken Palm numbers because of how they've performed away from home against very good teams. This will be a chance for Auburn to change my opinion on Wednesday night, so I'm looking forward to watching that one. And then there are a couple games in the Big East that I'm going to keep my eye on. One is Providence going to Milwaukee to play number five Marquette because Marquette is a team that I'm really starting to think about as a team starting to wonder, can they win a national championship, right? They're really highly rated to start the year. Uh, I bet them to win the Big East. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like this is UConn's league to win. Marquette is two and a half games behind UConn. They still do have another game with the Huskies at home, but they got blown out by UConn a couple weeks ago. But outside of that game, they've been a pretty flawless team since the middle of January. So I want to get some more eyes on Marquette here and figure out really does this team have what it takes to win a national championship. So I'm looking at looking at the national championship odds here and Marquette at 20 to 1 right now is one that catches my eye. I don't love national championship basketball odds because it's a single elimination tournament that is so matchup dependent. So I don't love making these bets right now, not knowing what the bracket looks like. But Marquette is a team that I have my eye on a little bit here because I think that outside of that UConn game, they have been fantastic. And I'm, I'm prepared to give them a pass for that game. I uh, want to get some more eyes on them. So that will be one I'm watching at home against Providence tomorrow night. Another game in the Big East that I'm going to have my eye on is Seton Hall going to Creighton because Creighton is a team that, look, again, high expectations for them coming into the season. They've had a decent year, but they also have eight losses on the season. They're 11-6 and six in the conference. They're coming off a loss to St. John's, and they're playing a Seton Hall team that is fighting for its life on the bubble. I think they've had a very impressive season to be 18-9, and 11-5 right now. You know, for them to essentially have the same record as Creighton, uh, I think is a, a very big accomplishment for Seton Hall right now. So a huge, a huge game for Seton Hall when it comes to their tournament resume. Getting a win at Creighton would be monster 
uh, as they try to work their way into the NCAA tournament. And again, like I want to see with Creighton, you know, they look really good at times. You have questions about them at other times. Can they, with three games left in the regular season, turn a corner a little bit here? So those are a couple of games that I'm going to keep my eye on in the Big East on Wednesday night. That's the show for today. Enjoy the midweek games, everybody. I will be back later this week to preview the weekend slate. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.